welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host and joining me today, I have on the show, author of The Scavengers and the brand new Memory Thieves, Darren Simpson. Welcome to the show. Hello, Marcus. Lovely to be here. Fantastic to have you here. Welcome to the book club. Um, You are a brand new guest here and we like to get to know our guests a little bit better. So would you want to tell us a little bit about why you wanted to become an author and a small snippet of your journey up to today? Uh, Yeah, actually, I never wanted to be an author for quite a long time. Uh, I played drums in bands for most of my 20s. And uh, after a while, I started to get it didn't look like such a viable career option. And I got a bit frustrated on relying on people. And I just wanted to try and make a living doing something creative. And I tried writing and I loved it. It's therapeutic and I loved all the possibilities. So empowering. And uh, obviously, uh, I just kept trying after about four attempts, I finally got published. Uh, I wrote like three books before Scavengers. And um, yeah, it finally happened. And next thing I know, I'm just I'm just blagging it, frankly, if I'm honest. I, I mean, isn't that adulthood? I'm pretty sure that's what yeah, it is. Every day, it's just that we're just pretending we're adults and that we know what we're doing, basically, yeah. Oh dear, which actually sort of leads me into that first sort of question that I want to pick up on. So obviously Scavengers, and we will talk about Scavengers because that, that received quite a lot of attention and brilliant book. But you mentioned you had about three or four attempts before that. Were they full manuscripts or did you sort of like write them or sort of start writing them and sort of give up? Or what was the process of those sort of uh, early attempts? Yeah, I mean, they were full on manuscripts. Uh, each one of them was an, uh, an, a full novel. I actually wrote for adults at first. Scavengers wasn't written for adults originally. Um, what happened, my first ever manuscript, it kind of got, didn't really go anywhere agent-wise. Later on, a few years later, it actually got picked up and published um, uh, as a crowdfunded kind of project. There was some artists involved and stuff, but that was a quite a separate thing. My second book didn't go anywhere, but it did get me an agent. And then, but that didn't get taken on by a publisher. My third book didn't get taken on by a publisher. And when I hit, it was originally called A Boy Called Landfill, the manuscript, it was for adults. And it was my last attempt, frankly. I remember telling my wife that I would quit, give up if this wasn't, you know, I'd been spending 10 years by then writing. And um, so, uh, but luckily, well, my agent had the idea. She said, this, the, the protagonist in this book is a, is, a, is a child. Why not maybe change the angle and write it for children and we can try sending it to children's publishers and that's kind of how everything went that's when everything changed I did that and finally after 10 years of kind of giving it a go it got taken on by Osborne. Wow sort of big paradigm shift then for you then it was that whole sort of turning your world upside down to bring sort of landfill story to life. Absolutely it was a massive shift and I'd, I'd never even imagined writing for children before then I sort of thought I'd try it because it would be well something to try why not and um, as it turns out, it's just one of those twists of fate, I think, because I, I love writing for children now. I had a lot of problems with genre before with my adult books. I'd have a lot of publishers and agents who liked what my other manuscripts, but they would sort of say, I love it, but I don't know quite what it is or where it fits in. And I find that writing for children, especially in middle, older middle grade, you kind of get less of those questions. And I think uh, people take stories more kind of face value and don't worry about that kind of thing. So I think I've sort of found a place where I can mess around with genre a bit more and get away with it. So it's worked out really well. Yeah, and let's talk about that sort of taking stories at face value because 
scavenge is, is quite a sort of, it's difficult to like, like you say, put it into a sort of like a, a category or sort of put it into its place because it really encompasses quite a few different genres. Obviously the, the protagonist landfill as a boy who's grown up in this strange world. Initially you think we're, we're dealing with some sort of dystopian futuristic novel. Um, and then it completely goes in a different direction, not spoiling it too much, but there is no way to really just categorize this. And I wonder where, uh, where landfill came from, where the inspiration for this story sort of brewed up and like where the sort of like the seeds of, of bringing this to life came from. Uh, yeah, actually it all started with, um, obviously as a writer, you're always looking around for something that might inspire the next idea. And it, uh, you know, it, it, it can be a long wait sometimes, but I was at a local recycling centre a few years ago, um, just getting rid of some garden waste, and it all basically started there. I saw a, I saw a worker there throw aside a, a ham sandwich, some scraps, and all these cats came out from the bins and the nearby woods and stuff to fight over this sandwich. And I just thought, wow, how many animals make their habitat here where we put our rubbish? And then I just kind of, the character Babaku basically came to mind. I imagined a scruffy guy living in a cave of rubbish, surrounded by the kind of wild animals that live there too and it just went from there I got I was fascinated I, I, a lot of not everything sticks when you've got ideas for books it just kind of goes in you know just goes away you think it's not going to go anywhere but um Babagoo really stayed with me and I started researching people who live on landfill sites and, and a lot of developing countries there are whole massive communities living on rubbish dumps and I was really inspired by the children who live on them because uh, you know it's quite a grim life as you can imagine very dangerous but they were still playing games and being kids and they were dignified and I really felt very moved and I knew that this character Babaku this old man living in rubbish would have a be raising a boy and it all went from there frankly I just started um, researching kind of um, abandoned kind of like dystopian kind of like you know ruined landscapes to put them in and the great thing about being a writer is you settings one of my favorite things and I thought if I get this kind of rundown place why not fill it with animals like those cats I saw so I kind of turned the nature up to 10 all the vines and the flowers and stuff and ended up with like what I guess is a junkyard jungle book yeah, actually, that's a great way of putting it. If you say junkyard uh, jungle book, that's a brilliant way. You sort of can definitely sort of see Mowgli sort of turning into sort of landfill. And mm -hmm. the whole, obviously, Babagoo does play a very important part in the sort of the nurturing. I guess the sort of the lens that landfill views. And I think coming at it, reading the book, it's very easy to see and sympathize with landfill because his world has only one lens to look through, which is what he's been told by Babagoo. So, so brilliantly that the story not only just changes his POV, but also us as the reader. I wonder if it, it naturally started as like something like you plotted for it to go that way or whether you just started writing the story and it was more sort of like a, like a pantser novel where you sort of just developed it naturally. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to plot in a lot of detail. I'm not very good, as much as I'm blagging the day-to-day, -day, I'm not very good at blagging a novel while I'm writing it. So I tend to, even though it can obviously should have editing and stuff, I tend to edit, have a massive document with bullet points and stuff and structure. I tend to do a lot of detailed planning. And yeah, I kind of, it, I guess a lot of the story was based on um, the stuff that happens later on, the kind of twists, I guess. So I kind of always knew that would be there. And it was all about kind of developing, using Landfill's perspective, developing the story so that those twists would be powerful and so that it'd work and not be too obvious, but at the same time be rewarding in the sense that readers might suspect it at the back of their mind. So it's kind of like that, but a lot of detailed planning beforehand, definitely. 
Well, that planning turned into payoff because it is a fantastic novel. It really grips you. But Thank also you. it gripped a lot of people because it got some serious recognition considering it's a debut. We're talking it was on the Guardian Best Books of 2019 lists. We got to be the Observer Children's Book of the Month. You know, how have you found the reception for this? Obviously, you said that you were you were at one point about to pack it all in. Yeah. <clears throat> I, honestly, I, people say, oh, you must have felt amazed when you got that deal for Scavengers. Actually, I just felt relieved. It was just massive relief. Uh, like, it, um, But uh, yeah, um, the I mean, I, I can't, I'm not very good at gauging how a book is going down. And I'm always quite insecure about these things. A lot of writers are. And I was worried that is it enough? I'm always comparing, is it enough? You know, because I want to keep doing it. And obviously you count on a book doing well before that can happen. And uh, But no, obviously it was amazing to see so many people championing it and stuff like it's yeah you just never dreamed of it like you know getting so much it got so much kind of space in the kind of garden end of the year guardian end of the year sort of roundup and stuff and that was all amazing um so yeah it's but actually what really gets you is more the kind of things that are a bit different to that so even though it's two years old now i guess just recently it was in empathy labs read for empathy collection so i wouldn't have seen that coming especially two years after it came out so i like the fact that it's I like the fact that it's still rolling, I guess, that it's still kind of getting new readers. And it's even ended up um, the landfill site that inspired it, the, the children growing up in Indonesia. Um, I got in touch with them to get permission to use some photos. And now they've got some of the books. The publisher found out about this and sent some books to them. And it's kind of that stuff that's really magical that you never would see coming. A bit more left field, you know, in terms of recognition and reward. And um, so, yeah, it's all it's all very overwhelming. If I'm just talking about it, I'm getting a bit, uh, you know, a bit wobbly. But, yeah, it's good. But it's it's always just relief, mostly. I'm, I'm a bit like that, unfortunately. Well, it's, it's greatly deserved. I can definitely say that. Um, something that should definitely be checked out. Interesting you said left field there, because that's what's hit me with your latest book, which is coming out literally like this week. I think it's just been launched yesterday. It is The Memory Thieves. And boy, oh boy, did this take me on a journey. Um, so to let you guys know what it's about, if you haven't already checked it out, it's a boy called Cyan is in this strange sanctuary in the middle of what looks like this barren desert. There's sand everywhere. When a uh, And he's there to forget about something. You know, he's there to help him forget some painful memory. And a new girl called John Quill turns up and pretty much turns everything on its head. Like... Where did this come from? Because this, I mean, you said about left field, but this really is left field. <laughs> um, oh, where did the memories come from? Oh, yeah, I know where the memory thieves came from. Uh, basically, again, how these small seeds come from random places, like my trip to the Calvin Recycling Centre. This one actually started a car crash. Um, a few, well, before I started writing it, I was driving my son home from a swimming lesson, uh, a very standard drive. And I just was, I must have been daydreaming. I, I hit the car in front of me that stopped to take a turn. And uh, luckily no one was hurt. Uh, so I was, that was the, mass, the biggest blessing of all. The people I hit were quite understanding about it in the long run. Uh, but um, I just, I, it really hit my self-esteem really hard. It was just such an, a, a silly mistake to make. And I got really low um, kind of, and I think I remember sort of avoiding seeing friends to punish myself. Uh, you know, I start drinking a little bit more than I normally do. And it, it was just a real, I'd never made such a big mistake like that. And I felt really bad. And it took me too long to start talking about it, how I felt basically. And uh, when I started talking to my wife about admitting how low I was about it and also mentioning it to friends, you know, as soon as you start talking about this stuff, you just feel better. The weight goes off your shoulders. You start to realize that it, 
everyone has made mistakes like this and you know the kindness of others it makes you kind of kinder to yourself I think and and I, I was determined it was such a grim experience that I was determined to get something out of it I thought well I'm at least going to get a book out of this no matter what so I just thought well that's my theme then I want to write something aimed at children to encourage them to to talk to admit to their feelings in the first place and then to share them because of just how useful that is especially now with what's going on in the world um so that that was the theme and I didn't know quite what to do how to kind of put that theme across but I do like really vivid unusual settings and while I was on I thought an island would make sense so you know something quite remote people getting away from their memories their old lives and I want to explore the risk of doing that and then I was we were on holiday camping holiday in States uh, on the Yorkshire coast and one day I saw the sea re receding uh, and I thought what if it never came back what sort of landscape would that create so obviously you can get rusting ships, you can get uh, kind of, you know, whale bones, all this kind of, and I thought that's a really cool setting, quite surreal, like kind of holiday, a seaside resort, it's just really weird. And it just kind of went from there. I developed a place on an island like this called the Island of Elsewhere, where people have a medical treatment, essentially, where children go to have their memories removed. And it seems quite blissful, of course. It's like, it's this playground of like abandoned cruise ships and boats and whale bones and caves to explore. And, you know, you've got your bad memories removed and everyone's carefree. But of course, what I'm doing in the book is exploring the risks of that. You know, what's the price you pay for ignoring your problems like that? And that's the gist of it, essentially. That's where it came from. Yeah, it's super impactful where you sort of, when you sort of dig a little deeper, because obviously, like you said at the beginning of the book, Sign is loving life. He's rolling around on his quad bike, having a great time. And it sounds like, it sounds like a very great time. And I'm sure we've all got those sort of things. We're just like, just, I'd love to just forget this memory or that time where I made a fool of myself. You know, we've all had a couple too many drinks and nights out. Which like to forget. <laughs> Sometimes the alcohol helps to forget, but Yes. This one does explore the idea that is it's the, the sort of the talking about, in some cases, sort of talking about trauma, but also talking about feelings. It's very interesting that you've sort of used that personal, I guess, that, that personal growth to then turn into a book. And obviously a lot of authors do use sort of self-reflection, but using the lens of obviously like um, in the kids book, did you find it difficult to, to find that vehicle and sort of create the Institute or the Sanctuary and some of the characters uh, within it. I'm thinking like Mr. Banter is just terrifying. And you sort of like, you know, uh, I think it's Dr. Newhaven, isn't it? Who's uh, just twisting. Dr. Haven, yeah. Dr. Haven, that's it. Uh, who's just twisting all of the strings. It's like, where did some of those sort of nuances come in from? Yeah, I think what tends to happen is, um, I think it's just often I'll have the the concept or like a, an idea of a setting and it's, it just grows out of the research usually like for scavengers for example uh, it came from googling people living on rubbish and I was really inspired by those pictures and with this uh, I think I had the island I had the idea of a receding tide and I just thought well it's going to need some sort of technology and um, so I was just researching I did some real real I did some research into real methods that are being used to influence memories, for example, by on um, soldiers who've got post-traumatic stress disorder. And there are there's a real treatment that involves electric uh, shock therapy, uh, kind of weakening your memories. And so I kind of developed the strobe chair that Dr. Haven uses in the sanctuary. Uh, so that was kind of based on real research that goes on into research and into memory manipulation. And uh, and then for the I just thought, I don't know. The fun thing about writing is that you can just do pretty much anything as long as it sort of fits within the rules of the world you build. I love that freedom. So I had this island, which I already loved. I had some technology, but I thought, what about the building? And I just thought, how about if the building shifts around? How about if I make this place really disorientating? I could, I could put, I could have clocks with no hands, so no one knows the time properly. 
how could the building move? And I just sort of thought of the, I did some research into kind of Rubik's cubes, that kind of those puzzles like that, and came across the Badass cube where kind of you sort of push the cubes around within a framework to make the colors match on each side. And I just thought, wow, I'll have a building like that. So it's just kind of researching and then ideas come together. And when something excites me enough, it makes it into the book. It's just magpieing is what I call it. I just grab lots of bits I like and I mix them together in a way that works and well, hopefully works. And that's kind of how it all came about, just uh, researching and taking, keeping what, what works. Yeah, I must admit when you when you mentioned the the strobe uh, experiment they do, I was full on like thinking Clockwork Orange mm. when, I, when I read that bit, and I'm like <laughs> totally just the the eyes open the 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 visuals sort of stimulation. But um, yeah, interesting that you've taken all those sort of ingredients and sort of blended them together to sort of make the the memory thieves. Um, is it something that you're you're going to be using possibly further to maybe look into like? I guess when you go out to school visits, you know, engaging students in that sort of that healthy talking about emotions and feelings, trying to be that sort of that positive, I guess, vehicle. I mean, obviously we find books sometimes can really open doors that we sometimes try to keep locked. Yes, and, uh, and, and when I go to schools, I mean, obviously that's, that's the theme of the book, that's its purpose really, there's a dedication. It is, the book is dedicated to anyone who's hurting, frankly. And the message is to encourage them to uh, to sh to deal with it and share it rather than kind of keep it to themselves or ignore it. And yeah, when I go to schools, I talk about how the book is inspired, but I will obviously pass on that message about the importance, how I benefit from talking and how they can too, especially with the pandemic we're all we're still going through. Um, and I think a lot of young people have been very affected by all this. So I'd love to um, get that message across. But at the same time, of course, talk about how fun it is to write a book. And uh, I've got workshops that are kind of based on the memory research. There's, there's going to be games where they kind of have to use mnemonics to build, to, mem to remember lists by making mnemonic stories, design their own islands, a bit of world building. So yeah, there'll be kind of fun stuff. And I try, and even though it's kind of a heavy book, there's also lots of fun in there. And I try and get that balance in my school visits as well. Yeah, it's definitely a page turn. I found myself sort of sitting down to this being like, okay, let's sit down and sort of crack this book open. And it was probably about one o'clock in the morning by the time I got to the end. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's an evening gone. <laughs> it's just completely vanished. It's very exciting. It's um, very, uh, what, what's the atmospheric? Wow, there was some real tension in there. I think, like you say, it's a beautiful blend of amazing storytelling, some really impactful real world sort of advice and sort of, I guess, learning, personal growth that we can all find in it. That is The Memory Thieves. It's out now by Usborne. And wow, what a book. We're going to be talking about it, I think, for the rest of the summer and going into the autumn. But uh, that is what you've just released, Darren, and it's a smash. Uh, what future smashes uh, can we possibly look out for uh, in the near future? Is there anything you're working on currently? Um, yeah, I've got another book coming out from Osborne. There's actually a, a sample of it right at the end of The Memory Thieves. It's called uh, Furthermore, and it's furthermore spelt like, with M-O-O-R at the end, as in like the Moors. And uh, I, I can't say too much about it right now, but um, it's a standalone story like the other two books. And it's again, it's the slightly more sinister side of mid older middle grade kind of fiction. And yeah, it's it, this one's gonna be a book exploring um, imagination and Again, escapism, I guess. And there's also a strong bullying theme. Um, but again, it's it's going to evolve a very, very vivid, unusual setting, but this time blended with something more urban as well. Okay, so is it sort of, uh, I guess it's sort of like halfway, obviously we have a very fantastical setting uh, in Memory Thieves, and there's a little bit more of a, I guess, an earthly grounding with scavengers. We're sort of meeting in the middle there. I guess so, yeah, I guess so. I was basically looking for an excuse to... Uh, 
you know, I've been driven by kind of themes and settings, but this time I kind of just wanted an excuse to kind of blend something very urban and real and contemporary with something very fantastical in a way that wasn't a fantasy novel. And that's what I hope the next book is. Okay. And when can we sort of expect that? Is that uh, 2022? It's um, it's next year. Yep. 2022. Uh, I think it's, we're still being, there's still talks about when it will be released. Uh, there was talk about doing it in summer, but I think it might be even earlier now. So it could be quite soon on the heels of memory themes, I think. Oh, there you go. So that is dropping very quickly. Is there anything else in the pipeline we can get excited about? Uh, just that for now. I'm in this, I'm in this stage of kind of, um, I'm not very good at kind of um, juggling book ideas. Right now, I'm kind of quite busy with uh, memory themes, promotional stuff. and um, uh, But I've got some things brewing and I've just got to see what sticks, I guess, when I have that kind of, uh, that capacity going. Still collecting all those ingredients. Basically, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Wow, fantastic. Like I said, I mean, if it's anything like the Memory Thieves, can't wait for furthermore. And if you guys can't wait for Memory Thieves, well, hold your horses because it is competition time and we are giving one of you lucky listeners the chance of getting yourselves a copy of the Memory Thieves. How can you do that? Well, let me tell you. You're going to be wanting to head over to our Twitter. That's at Big Kids Book Club, all one long, lovely word. And there you're going to be hitting up us with the hashtag Memory Comp. Memory Comp in the hashtag and this week's quizzy type question is obviously we're talking about memory and the memory thieves now uh, obviously there's lots of memories we probably want to forget let's not dig them up for now instead we want you to tell us about a memory that is near and dear to you a memory that you will always cherish i think for me it's probably the birth of my son is always gonna be something that is gonna be magical and i will always hold on to dearly we want to know what your most cherished memories are darren is there a particular memory you uh, hold on to and grip tightly well, uh, it's very similar to yours, I guess, my two kids being born. It's a strange one. It's, it's just uh, there's nothing uh, as intense. And it's almost hysterical The the uh, in, in its kind of purest sense, like to see your child being born and to kind of go through all that. It's a uh, well, it's, it's just it just turns your life upside down. And it's it's just a massive moment where everything switches, isn't it? So that's in terms of like a very treasured and impacting memory. Then that's yeah, those have got to be the ones absolutely well that's just some of ours that's mine and darren's but we want to hear yours we'd love to have share and sort of praise your stories so hit us up with hashtag memory comp at big kids book club and you could be in with a chance of winning we can pick one of you lucky listeners to get a copy of the memory thieves how's that sound darren sounds fantastic absolutely is this has been fantastic uh darren thank you so much for joining us on the show thank you for having me well, we're not going to let you disappear quite yet because obviously we want our listeners to know how they can get in contact with you, find out more about your book. So is there a website or some social media links we can drop for you? Yeah, I've got a, a website, uh, darrensimpsonwrites.co.uk. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. You'll find me there. And uh, I'm always, I always respond to stuff. So if you ever have any questions about my books or want to get in touch about events or anything like that, it's, it's all there for you fantastic well that's all the time we unfortunately have for this week but thanks to you darren for joining us on the show and to you lovely listeners for sticking around we hope you enjoyed it but until next time all i have to say is for you to take care to stay safe but most importantly to keep on reading